I could ask uh, Renske um, Dorenspleet, if I pronounce that name incorrectly, I apologise, from Politics and International Studies here to take my place. Yeah, I'm um, a political scientist. Um, I'm based at the Politics and International Studies Department. So the Politics and International Studies Department here at Warwick <coughs> University has kind of three main fields, namely international political economy, international security and democracy and development. And within those fields there are people working on Africa. So, um, and that's the same for uh, the Center for Studies in Democratization. I'm a director of that center, so I hope you are going to visit our website. Um, so again, the third field of uh, our department is democracy and, de and development, but we also have a, a center for democratization based at the Department uh, of Politics. Um, I think it's a really interesting center. Um, it uh, started in 1992 in response to a growing interest in the study of democracy at the theoretical and empirical level. Um, uh, it's an important international theme at the moment. And members of CSD try to understand why some countries make a transition to democracy while other countries do not. <coughs> and also try to, uh, to understand how and when democracies emerge. So we're interested in democracy in general, all around the world, but uh, uh, well, at least two of our members focus in, on uh, Africa in specific. So we have 10 members, uh, members of staff, um, well, working on all kinds of different topics like democracy in Africa, human rights, accountability, civil society, global governance, um, well, you name it, in, uh, IMF, World Bank. Um, and we have also 10 PhD students who work on different topics, um, also on Africa. Um, we have a very strong international network. So to point out to kind of to emphasize two projects in Africa. One project is, uh, John already mentioned it yesterday, uh, is funded by the British Council in Delphi, and it is on governance, law, and politics. And it is a joint project with Cape Town and Dar es Salaam. It's very interesting, because it's not only interesting because Cape Town and Dar es Salaam and Warwick is involved, but also because it's multidisciplinary, meaning that law um, and uh, politics are involved. Uh, the second project, uh, which uh, I think is very interesting, is funded by the Ford Foundation, and it is on the IMF and civil society in Africa. So please take a look at our website, and then you will find more information about uh, uh, this uh, stuff. A little bit more about... Well, I cannot, uh, of course, I cannot say uh, anything about all the projects, so I will kind of focus on my own research project. Uh, um, and, and I hope it will be interesting for you as well. It's, um, my previous project was mainly focused on the question why did some non-democratic regimes undergo a transition towards democracy while others did not. Now I want to focus a little bit more on what actually happened with those new democracies. Uh, because they made a transition to, towards more democracy. But what happened? What are the consequences of democratization? Uh, what are people's expectations of those new democracies? Are people actually <coughs> satisfied with how democracy is working in their country? Uh, and what are the long-term uh, well, prospects for democracy in the world? My main interest is uh, Africa. 
and that's for the simple reason, well, I, I'm interested in Africa in general, but also for the simple uh, reason, because it's such an interesting continent, if you're interested in democracy, because it's so diverse. Again, that's the same point that already uh, has been made before. Uh, Africa does not exist. I mean, there's so many differences within uh, the con continen continent. So many countries made a transition to, to democracy, but there are also many countries that remained authoritarian. So this was about my previous uh, project. Why do some countries like uh, Mozambique, for example, make, did, did they make a transition to democracy, although it's very <coughs> unstable over there? But while other countries like the neighboring country, Zimbabwe, did not make a transition. Senegal and Mali, for example, did really well. But of course, in the uh, region in West Africa, there are many, many countries that remained authoritarian. Now, the new project is going to focus more on what actually is, uh, has happened with those new democracies. So, one of the puzzles is that on the one hand, uh, there's an increasing number of democracies all around the world, and, and there's a huge popular support for the ideal of democracy in new democracies. But on the other hand, there's not so much popular satisfaction with democracy. So that's, that's a kind of paradox and an interesting puzzle. So let's first start with the good news. Uh, well, Susie Fo Foster already uh, uh, quoted, uh, if it bleeds, then it leads. And I, 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 well, I fully agree with that. There's less capacity and less willi willingness to report the good news. Um, so I'm really interested to uh, uh, make a contribution to her blog uh, about uh, brilliant Africa, because I fully agree with that. Not only journalists, by the way, but also academics tend to emphasize the bad news all the time, to be very pessimistic. Uh, but I think we should also kind of pay attention to the good news, which is that, um, again, many uh, countries made a transition to democracy. Um, so here you can kind of see the worldwide picture of uh, uh, democratization around the world uh, starting in 1800. So it's a very historical kind of uh, overview. Um, and you can see that uh, there's an increasing number of minimal democracies. I want to emphasize this is a very minimalistic definition of democracy. So uh, this picture is uh, the definition of democracy I use here, which is very common uh, among political scientists, is very minimalistic, meaning competitive struggle uh, among the people, uh, among political parties for the people's vote. So it's really, uh, it really does focus on free and fair elections, uh, competition among political parties. And then you can easily see that uh, the wave of democratization started in 1800, that's mainly Western Europe, then it uh, goes up till the First World War. Then there is a big decrease of number of the proportion of democracies around the world. Of course, uh, uh, then after the Second World War, there's a second, second wave of democratization. The second reverse uh, wave of democratization is uh, mainly in the 1960s and 1970s. Um, mainly in Africa and Latin America, by the way. There are many countries that, uh, that, that, uh, that make a transition to more authoritarian regimes. And then again, in the, there's a 
third wave of democratization starting, well, kind of clear, I think, after the fall of the Berlin Wall in uh, 1989. I really would like to emphasize that it is not only Eastern Europe. So 1989, of course, it started in Eastern Europe, but then after that, many countries made a transition to more democratic systems in not only in Eastern Europe, but also Latin America and Africa. So this is after 1989. People now tend to kind of, yeah, write a lot, not only, again, not only journalists, but also academics about um, the, the world after 9-11, uh, 2001, that uh, well, the, the world is now, uh, that is less freedom, less democracy. But actually, if you take a look at the data, that's not really true. Uh, okay, there's not a big increase anymore, uh, but it is kind of stable. So, um, in that sense, it's kind of good news. So, by the way, the, the other, in the right-hand corner, uh, the figure is, uh, that uses another definition of democracy, a little bit more broader definition of democracy. So also including uh, participation and uh, in inclusiveness, so that not only uh, that, uh, that many parts of the population are entitled, uh, are have the right to vote, for example. And that, uh, uh, so it is a little bit more a broader definition of democracy. But it doesn't really matter for the picture. The story is the same, except for the fact that it starts a little bit later, the wave of democratization. But for Africa, the story is exactly the same, namely that after 1989, there's a lot of good news. If you, well, it's not a, if you think, uh, that's why I put it into uh, quotes, because, uh, yeah, it's a kind of normative, of course, idea that democracy is good, but that's another story. The other good news is that there huge, a huge support for the ideal of democracy in new democracies. So this is, um, this is the, the data for all new democracies in the world after 1989, but it includes a lot of new democracies in Africa. So just to kind of... Um, highlight a few countries like Benin, 82% um, of the people think that democracy is always the best form of government. So uh, people do not support uh, authoritarian regimes. That's only 7% of people in Benin, which is kind of amazing. Kenya, that's the same, 85% thinks um, uh, democracy should be supported. Mali, uh, 61%, Senegal, 87%. So this is really, really high. So people, African uh, people living in African democracies, new democracies, generally support the ideal of democracy. By the way, South Africa is lower, um, with 64%. So that, that, that's the good news. <coughs> well, the bad news, or the negative is that there's not so much satisfaction um, with how democracy actually is working in practice. That's much lower. So to highlight, uh, highlight again some cases, Benin, well, to remember, 82% of the people support the idea of democracy, but only 50, what is it? Yeah, 56% of the people are satisfied with how democracy actually is working. So that is a huge gap. That's 82% versus 57%. 
That's the same in uh, Kenya. 85% support uh, democracy, but only 63% is satisfied with how democracy is actually working. So again, a huge gap. Senegal, 87% supports democracy, but only 67% is satisfied. South Africa was quite low with the support, namely 64%, but the satisfaction is even lower, namely 52, uh, 54%. So again, there's a huge gap between support and satisfaction, with the theory, in a way, and practice. So that's a, a paradox, if you want. So why is there such a low level of popular satisfaction with democracy, despite all the positive developments after the fall of the Berlin Wall? This is a picture from uh, the Berlin Wall. So this is South Africa. Everybody was very kind of optimistic in 1994. Cues for the elections and, well, uh, very happy support of democracy is uh, quite high, but not satisfied. So the paper that I uh, prepared for this uh, presentation focuses on three different questions. So who are the dissatisfied Democrats? So who are the people that support democracy but are not satisfied with how it is actually working? Why are some people dissatisfied dem Democrats while others are not? And are those people critical and hence good for democracy, or are they just frustrated uh, with democracy and it's uh, so it's bad for democracy in a, in a, in a way? There has been some previous research on this kind of uh, questions. Um, the characteristics of other studies on support and satisfaction are that they're focused on, West, on, on Europe and the US. So certainly nothing about Africa, not much. Only Mike Breton wrote uh, something about it, not, but not much. So it's, it's clearly focused on uh, established democracies. While I think Africa is really interesting, uh, especially because it's so diverse, there's a lot of variation. There are many, many theories but they all contradict each other. So to give a, a very short overview of a major field, uh, theoretically uh, at least, is that um, starting in the 1960s, scholars emphasized that both support and satisfaction can be seen as crucial elements for democratic systems. So I quote one of the main scholars, as money is to an economic system, so is political support to a political system. Support is the currency of democratic polities. So the, the dominant idea is that both uh, satisfaction and support bring stability. So you really need that. Otherwise, there will be instability of the democratic system. In the 1990s, however, there's a kind of the dominant view started to change, and political scientists were now less alarmed by low levels of satisfaction, and more by the big gap between satisfaction and support. So, but they think this gap between satisfaction and support is not necessarily a problem at all, because they, they argue that people who support democracy but are not satisfied, they're simply critical citizens. Um, so they are well-informed citizens, they have a lot of knowledge about politics, they are active citizens, and they simply want more democracy. So that's why they are not satisfied. 
they support democracy, but they're not satisfied because they will want more support uh, democracy. This, so that's the idea in the 1990s. It's a very optimistic period of time. Then in, I don't know, do you say 2000s? Well, actually, uh, after 2000 at least, it started to um, swing back again in the literature towards a more pessimistic view. So Stoker, for example, writes exclusively on the UK, uh, but is very relevant for the uh, theoretical approaches. Uh, but also Breton, who write, uh, writes more about, um, uh, about Africa, strongly disagrees with the view that dissatisfaction with democracy is a reflection of the combination of a rising citizen expectations and their willingness to be critical. They think that uh, uh, the, uh, it shows that people are frustrated. There's a lot of frustration with the system. So they do not participate, they have no interest in politics, and they're simply passive citizens. So that's again a very kind of pessimistic idea. But it's all, all ideas, all theoretical ideas. The problem is that there's hardly any empirical evidence. So the theories are not really uh, tested in empirical research. So that's really interesting. And moreover, all those theories are focusing on established Western democracies. And there's nothing about Africa or uh, other new democracies, the de de no, actually the developing world in uh, general. So this paper uh, tries to tackle those questions. And again, it's, uh, that means the starting point of a new project. Um, we need, clearly need more empirical research to test those competing theoretical perspectives. We don't, simply don't know who's right and who is wrong. We don't know what the views of those dissatisfied Democrats actually are. Um, so what I do in this paper is to use, uh, I, uh, to use the data from the Everborometer. If you are interested in doing quantitative, more quantitative research in Africa, this is a major source, and it's really, really good. Because I, I know other barometers uh, from Europe, US, uh, Asia, etc. Uh, but this one is really, really uh, well set up, but um, uh, especially for political scientists, it's really interesting because there are many open questions asked. Uh, there are many questions about the political system, about political parties, about politicians, about democracy. Um, so it's uh, typically, n it's not a kind of uh, exercise only, in, uh, it's not only a survey interesting for econ economists, but also for po political scientists and sociologists. Um, so, by the way, well, the other good thing about this uh, uh, surveys is that they are freely available for everybody. So just Google them or just go to a website, uh, just click on data, for example, or surveys, and you can simply use all the data for your own research. It's a very, very rich source. Um, and they, um, they incorporate ma many, many countries. Oh, yeah, I included this, uh, this slightly last night again. You can see that uh, uh, all those countries are incorporated in the surveys, and um, uh, even the brown countries, so Namibia, South Africa, Africa Zambia, etc., there are more than four surveys completed. So you can also make a time series uh, analysis, which is really interesting. Um, and they started with the, with the 
the English-speaking countries, and now they also moved toward, uh, towards the west of Africa and incorporated countries like uh, Senegal and Mali. So I use this data uh, for more quantitative analysis. So one of the questions is, who are those uh, dissatisfied Democrats? Um, well, the first clear finding is that the majority of people in African democracies are so-called satisfied Democrats. So more than half of the population, 54, more than 54%, they do not only support democracy, but they are also satisfied with how democracy is actually working in their countries, that they are satisfied dem Democrats. Um, however, almost a quarter of the population do not support democracy, and they are so-called non-democrats. And within this, those uh, group, almost half of the people are satisfied, and the, but the majority is not satisfied. What is interesting for this paper is that there's a substantial group of people who support democracy, but are not satisfied with the practice. So uh, African democracies have around 21% of the citizens who, do, who support it, but are not satisfied. By the way, in Western demo democracies, this gap between high support and satisfaction has already been discussed. And this, you can see that in Africa it's the same story. So in that respect, Africa is not so different from the rest of the world. Very quickly, the second question is why are some people dissatisfied Democrats while others are not? Well, theoretically, we already know a lot, although it's very kind of contradicting all those uh, theories. If you do the actually empirical research using those surveys and doing the statistical analysis, then uh, the, the story is kind of a mix. Mix of a mix of the optimistic and the pessimistic uh, approaches. Those, so to say, well, you can read more about it in the paper, and uh, especially Table Three clearly shows that it is a mix of both approaches. And what I mean by that is that, um, in a way, the optimistic approaches they are right in a way, namely that people who support democracy but are not satisfied, they are well-informed citizens. They're well-educated, and they're simply more critical. So in that sense, that's confirming the optimistic idea. On the other hand, they are not more inclined to participate in politics. And they are frustrated. Uh, they're not prepared to, to participate actively in, uh, in politics to improve the existing democ democracy in their country. They're less likely to vote. They're less interested in politics, and they are less likely to attend political meetings and contact politicians uh, than satisfied Democrats in their country. So that confirms the pessimistic approach. So it's a kind of mix of both ideas, which is, I think, very interesting. And this is, um, and, and, and more research clearly ne needs to be done, uh, because otherwise, we cannot answer the question whether it's good or bad for democracy, meaning whether dissatisfied Democrats form kind of a stable force to strengthen democracy or not. And this is a very kind of interesting question. I'm personally only interested, although I use, I'm aware that I use kind of normative terms like bad and good, but I'm mainly interested simply in the empirical story. So to see whether 
dissatisfied uh, Democrats. Democrats are prepared to fight for democracy, to, to, to um, defend democracy or not. And so finally, um, to summarize, the good news again is that there are many countries also in uh, Africa making a transition to democracy, to more democracy. Waves of democratization have taken place. Uh, but there is a gap between support and satisfaction. So it's really interesting to know who are those dissatisfied Democrats. Are they critical and active citizens or passive and angry citizens? Um, well, by the way, it seems again that as if Africans are not much different from people in richer countries in the West. So dissatisfied Democrats are more critical and better informed about politics. But on the other hand, they are not politically more active active and less interested in politics. Um, so whether this is a kind of a threat uh, to democracy, that's still a question that needs to be answered. And personally, I think this could be a threat, as those the difference between those democracies in, uh, in Africa and uh, democracies in Europe, for example, simply that they're younger. And uh, so they're, they're probably more vulnerable also to what people actually think about democracy. Um, there's a lot, has been a lot of research done about political institutions in Africa, political parties, etc., but not much about what people actually think about their political systems, about their political parties, about politicians, and about democracy more in general. Uh, so clearly more research uh, needs to be done in this area. Well, thank you. Thank you very much.